Hey, do you have your Bible? Would you grab your Bible, your smartphone, um, iPad, whatever it is you carry, and let's turn to the book of Jonah, the Old Testament book of Jonah. You guys know the story of Jonah? Yes? Uh, yeah, it's about a whale, Alex, but <clears throat> I'm going to rock some of your world uh, for a second because um, I don't believe... I don't believe Jonah is primarily about a big fish. <gasps> what? I learned that in vacation Bible school. Uh, yes, there is a fish involved. Yes, there perhaps is a whale involved. Uh, Jonah, of course, is involved. But neither one of those are the hero of the story. The next several weeks, I want to talk to you uh, about the book of Jonah, about the account that we have in Jonah. We've been talking about um, what it means to love God, what it means to love people, and what it means to love by going. And I can't think of a better example that we have in Scripture, other than Jesus Christ, of course, than the narrative we have in the book of Jonah. What does it mean to love God? I've shared with you the last couple of weeks that the Luke 6.46 text says, Why do you call me Lord? Jesus, of course, is speaking. Why do you call me Master? Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Right? In other words, the Mark 12 text that we've been looking at for the last several months where it says to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, that's not new things. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love my brother? In another text it says, don't say you love God if you don't love your brother. Right? If you know the account of Jonah, if you know the narrative that we find in the book of Jonah, you realize that the writer is trying to get us to understand what it means to love our brother trying to get Jonah to understand what it means to love his brother. Not just people like him, but people much different than him. I want to just share with you a, a couple of verses here. Um, in the English Standard Version, it reads this way. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee. Let me stop there for a second. Arise, go to this great city of Nineveh, and preach. Does that remind you of anything? It reminds me, first and foremost, of the Great Commission. Remember the Great Commission in Matthew 28 where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, arise, or he says, go and make disciples. Right? Sound familiar? Jonah is called to arise and go to this place called Nineveh, this great city in Assyria. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the question of who is my neighbor. And for Jonah, the people in Assyria would not be his neighbor. Right? 
Jonah was a good Jew. Jonah was a good Israelite. Jonah was one of God's people. And when God's word comes to Jonah and says, go and preach to your brother, it's one thing for a Jew to preach to another Jew. They're good brothers, right? What about when God says, go and preach to your brother who's much different than you are. Go and preach to this Gentile city. This Gentile nation. These people that are ruthless. If you don't know the Assyrians, they're the ones who carry off people into slavery by putting a ring in their nose and dragging them along, right? These are the kind of people we're talking about. These are ruthless, brutal people groups. I don't have much of a problem of telling people about Jesus when I know that they know a little bit about Jesus. I don't really have a problem with sharing the gospel with people that know the gospel, that have heard the gospel over and over and over and over again. But I'm not sure I'm any different than Jonah when it says, go and share the gospel, go and share the good news with people that hate you, that despise you. You don't like them, they don't like you. You're going to be a fish out of water, no pun intended. You're going to be out of your comfort zone. Are you okay with that? Prophet, Jonah, mouthpiece of God, are you okay with preaching to people? Not because, not because of who you are, but because of God's faithfulness. It's interesting that we we heard the message of God's faithfulness this morning. We sang about the message of God's faithfulness this morning. We recognize that in our own lives, I pray. But I wonder if we recognize that God is working in places that we can't even begin to imagine. Even among the Gentiles, even among people that don't believe, even among the most brutal people groups. And Jonah has a problem with that, right? It says, but Jonah... Jonah hears the message of God. He knows it's the message of, jo- of God. But there's this little three-letter three word that speaks to contrast, that speaks to God has spoken, but, but Jonah. But Jonah decides he's going to do something other than what God wants him to do. We've all done it, right? God speaks to me, but Mike. God speaks to you. Share the gospel with your coworker. I really don't I really don't want to have that conversation with my coworker. Share the gospel with that family member that you know doesn't believe, that you know that every time that you share the gospel with, they just They cringe, and you cringe, and eventually there's no conversation at all. But I want you to share the gospel. I want you to share the gospel. I want want you to serve them. I want you to love them. I want you to to serve them. I want you to love. I want you to wash their feet. But how often do we choose our ways over God's ways? I'm 
afraid the answer is all too often. But Jonah. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Assyria is to the east. Tarshish is to the west. God sends him one place. Jonah goes the opposite direction. He went down. Now listen to what this narrator tells us. He went down. If you're a good Jew, if you're a good Israelite reading Scripture, hearing Scripture being delivered to you audibly, you'll see this phrase over and over and over again. He went down. In other words, he went away from the presence of the Lord. He went far away from God. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. You hear the repetition? This is not, this is not just a one-time oops, right? This is a conscious decision to go against what God has said. Jonah, this is what you are to do. This is your job description. But Jonah, church, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples, but the church became a Sunday country club, became an inward-focused group of believers. And they go away from God. And they go down, away from the presence of the Lord. Church, I want to tell you this morning that every decision we make has consequences. You understand that? Every decision we make has consequences. And it's not just with Jonah here. He paid the fare. He decided he's going to go the opposite direction. I don't want to do what you've asked me to do, God. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to pay the fare. I'm going to get on the ship with these other Gentiles, and I'm going to go far away from what you called me to do. Every decision we make has consequences. I've shared that with you many times in this last year. Every time my kid gets out of the truck at school, look at him. He hears it. He knows what's coming next. I say, make good choices. Right? Right? Right. And it's not just that age, it's all of us, right? Make good choices. Every choice that we make has a consequence. It goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Hard to see, a little bit hard to see. If you will do what God has called you to do, hear the voice of God, being careful to do all of the commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. If you will go and preach to the Ninevites, Jonah, guess what? You'll receive blessings. If you'll go and do, church, as I've asked you to do, to make disciples of all nations, guess what will happen? You, you couldn't keep people away from this place. Right? However, same chapter, verse 15 reads this way. But, if you will not 
do, if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, or be careful to do all His commandments and His statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you. They shall overtake you. Now in the Hebrew, the better translation is not this idea of curse. It's not the idea of, a, of somebody. A, we, we often think of witchcraft, right? Somebody's going to curse somebody else. That's, not what, that's what, not what the Hebrew says. What the Hebrew says is there will be lack of blessing. You want blessing? Obey God. You want lack of blessing? Do your own thing. But Jonah, but Mike, but fill your name in the blank. Right? There are consequences for our choices each and every day of our life. And here's the consequence. Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea that the ship threatened to break up. The mariners were afraid. Now notice, these mariners, these people that are, they're familiar with the water, right? This is not a new rodeo for them. They've done this over and over and over again. They, they've recognized storms, but this time they became deathly afraid. And each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Somebody read the next two words. But Jonah. Right? Contrast. But Jonah. They're crying out to their God. God has cried out to Jonah. The, the, the pagans, the unbelievers, are crying out to their God. But it says here, but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Let me ask you a question. If you've heard from God, you know it to be the voice of God. And you've chosen to do your own thing anyway. God says go this way and you go this way. How is it that you could go away from God, go away from His presence, pay the fare, get on the boat, and be so rebellious that you walk down into the hull of the ship and lay down and go to sleep? Do you understand what I'm saying? Wouldn't you be bothered by your disobedience? You know what God gives us? Jesus Christ mentions it in the New Testament when he talks about, I will give you, I will ask the Father, and he will give us a paraclete. He will give us the, the go-between. He will give you the Holy Spirit, right? And this Holy Spirit is that one that speaks that small, still voice. This, this one that tells us right from wrong, right? It's not just this scientific conscience thing. For us as believers, it's the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity who speaks to us on what is true and what is not. You understand what I'm saying? What happens when you, when you no longer hear? The New Testament warns us about grieving the Holy Spirit, right? Right? Yeah, shake your head like this, because that's what it does, right? Grieving the Holy Spirit. 
you're a believer, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you hear that small, still voice, you hear the Holy Spirit telling you to do one thing and you do something else, and you've gotten so callous to what God says that you walk in the bottom of the boat and you lay down and you go to sleep. Everybody else, church, even the pagans are crying out to their own God, but Jonah, the prophet, the mouthpiece of God, is in the bottom of the boat asleep. A bit of an irony, but is that not our story as well? Shake your heads like this. Because it is. This might be a tough pill to take, but I really believe this. When you stop hearing that small, still voice, when you stop hearing God saying, you shouldn't do this, or you should do that, then we've got a major problem. You hear what I'm saying? No conviction, no peace. If you're not convicted about something that needs to change in your life, there will always be tension. You, you understand what I'm saying? Hebrews chapter 12 says God disciplines those He loves. How many of you need discipline? A few of us. Raise your hand. You, you need discipline, right? You haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. We all need discipline. We all need this small, still voice. We need God speaking into our lives. Now, He does that in a multitude of ways. He may do that on a Sunday during a sermon. He may do that through one of your uh, uh, close friends that is a believer in Jesus Christ. He may do that through circumstances in your life. He does that through the Word. He does that in our prayer life. God speaks to us in a multitude of ways, right? It's not that God's not speaking. It's that we've, we've stopped listening. And when you're no longer convicted about your sin, you will always have trouble. You will always have chaos. For those of us who have gone through the study on Wednesday nights in Genesis, you guys remember Adam and Eve were walking in the cool of the day with God up until the time they stopped listening. They ate from the tree. They're no longer walking in the cool of the day with God, are they? You will surely die. That's what the text reads. You will surely die. No conviction, no peace. So here's the point. When you get convicted about something in your life that needs to change, praise God because He's disciplining you because He loves you. You understand that? God wants peace in your life. We, we oftentimes think of the Ten Commandments as as being those things that tie our hands, right? That, that, that prohibit us from living. No, that's not what it's for. The Ten Commandments and everything that, that, that Jesus tells us later in the New Testament where it says, you have, said, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you, we don't think of those things as prohibitions. We think of those things as life-giving. Because if you follow God's ways, we just read it in Deuteronomy 28. If you follow God's ways, if you're obedient to God's ways, guess what happens? You receive blessings. You receive peace. When you go the opposite direction, 
when you buy a fare to go to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord, to go down, to go down, to go down, the narrator says, guess what happens? You don't experience peace. You experience turmoil in your life. You've all experienced that. Whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, that's the truth. No conviction, no peace. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. God disciplines those He loves. God is patient with us. Praise God. I love the, I love the word uh, long-suffering. Because that's I, when I look in the mirror and I think about my own life, my own sin, my own choice, choosing to go a different direction than what God wants me to do, I think, man, my God is long-suffering with me. And your God is too. He's patient with you. Not wanting you to perish. Not wanting you to be separated from God. Not wanting you to have this turmoil, this chaos going on in your life. God wants to love you so much that He is patient with you, that He's long-suffering with you. Praise God for the conviction when it comes. So the captain came and said to Jonah, What do you mean, you sleeper? Get up! Does that sound familiar? Verse 1, verse 2. Get up, arise! Call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought that we may not perish. He's definitely afraid. These are, these are people that spend their life on the sea, and yet they're deathly afraid. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to Jonah, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? In other words, who are you? Where do you come from? Tell us, tell us your life story. What's your country? And, and what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear Yahweh. I fear the Lord. I fear the one true God. Really? Jonah? If you feared the one true God, if you feared Yahweh, why would you be asleep? Number one. Number two, why would you be on this ship going in the opposite direction of what God has told you? Do you really fear God? Do you really, do you really worship God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind? Do you really, Jonah? It's one thing to say that you're a follower of God. It's one thing to say that you love Jesus Christ. It's another thing to do what Christ calls us to do. Right? Do you, do you really, Jonah? Verse 10 says, The men were exceedingly afraid. They said to him, What is this you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of Yahweh because he had told them. They said to him, What shall we do to you? that the sea may quiet down for us. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous, and he said to them, Pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you. This speaks to his rebellion, right? He knows God's faithfulness. This is going to come up over and over again the next couple of weeks, church. This is not, this is not something new for Jonah. shouldn't be anything new for us. He knows God's faithfulness. He knows God's a gracious God. What's the What's the problem with Jonah going to the Ninevites 
and preaching to the Ninevites. He doesn't want to go because he knows God's going to save them. He doesn't love his brother. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to Yahweh. Notice what happens. The pagans, the unbelieving Gentiles, are the ones crying out to God. Did you hear that? You see that? They called out to Yahweh, Oh, oh God, oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not us on us this innocent blood, for you, O Yahweh, have done as it pleased you. There's some irony here. Jonah, the mouthpiece, the prophet of God, is doing one thing. The pagans are doing something totally different. They're crying out to Jonah's God. They picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging, just as Jonah said it would. Then the men feared Yahweh exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The pagans offered a sacrifice and made offerings. They made vows to the Lord. Who's worshiping who? The role of prophet, as I've mentioned a couple of times, is the mouthpiece of God. The prophet actually speaks for God. And it's oftentimes a message that is hard to take. Not only hard to deliver, but maybe even harder to listen to, right? You don't like to be called out on your sin, do you? No. Until you're mature. And then when you're mature, remember, God disciplines those he loves. God's not going to leave you alone in your sin. God's going to continue to love you and love you and love you. And sometimes love is telling you the truth. And telling you the truth is, stop it. Right? Right? And Jonah, the mouthpiece of God, knows the message that he's going to have to deliver to the pagans. The people of Nineveh is, stop it. Much like Sodom and Gomorrah. God's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because of their wickedness, because of evil, right? The same phrase that says the evil has come before God in Genesis is the same phrase used here in Jonah. The reason that he's called to go to Nineveh is because the evil of the Ninevites have come up before God. And God's willing to do something about it and send a prophet, send a preacher, send somebody who speaks on behalf of God and says, stop it. That's your role in the world in which we live. Right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right? Hide it under a bushel. You guys know the story, right? You know the songs. Do we live that way? I find it ironic that the one who should really be worshiping God is the one being schooled in who God really is. This is not about a fish. The fish is not a hero here. Jonah, the prophet, the mouthpiece of God, is not a hero in this story. And you'll find out 
over and over and over again. Who's far from a hero? Who's the hero in Jonah? God. God's faithfulness. God's graciousness. God willing to love. Even the Assyrians, even the Ninevites. You guys remember New Testament. Peter has been living like a good Jew lives. He's a good Jew. And he has this vision in the book of Acts where this sheet descends. He's up on the mount, he's up on a, a top of a house and and he's praying and and he's he's in the spirit, is what the text says. And the sheet descends. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? The sheet descends and there's swine and and all this kind of stuff on this sheet, and it's this vision, and, and he's told, get up, kill and eat. And Peter said, I will, wait a minute, I'm a Jew. We don't do that kind of stuff, right? And if you know the, if you know the moral of the story, what's the whole point of the vision? The whole point of the vision is, it's not about you, Peter. It's about God, right? Isn't that what it's about? Right? Don't call anything that I've made unclean. That's what it says, right? Get up, kill, and eat. Later on, Peter's going to Cornelius because he's going to the Gentiles and he's going to share with the Gentiles the goodness of God, not just a God of the Hebrews, not just a God of the Israelites, but a God of all people. The last time I looked at John 3.16, it says what? God loved the world so... The world? Israelites? Yes. Gentiles, yes. People in McKinney, yes. People wherever you happen to be. God loved the world, the cosmos, right? But who do you get to choose as who your, who's your brother? You don't get to choose. God chooses that for you, right? As we go through the next couple of weeks in the book of Jonah, let me encourage you to read along, read, read ahead if you'd like. But you'll notice that this story is really not about a fish. It's really about the goodness, the graciousness, the patience of God. How many of you need a God like that? I do. If you've never experienced that love, the world in which we live is not a world that's full of grace, right? But our God who's a gracious God, wants us to experience grace, but we can give grace. Our God, who's a loving God, wants us to experience love so that we can not hoard love, give love. Our God, who is patient with us, wants us to be patient with one another. Our God who gives us the good news, church, wants us to love others by giving them the good news. You hear that? If you've never experienced that kind of love, if you've never experienced this kind of grace, I pray that today is the day that you meet Jesus. If you've experienced this before and you find yourself in the life of Jonah, maybe today's the day to get off the boat go to the Ninevites or go to whoever it is that God has called you to go to whether you like them or not 
love them or not, but do as God intends you to do. And look how he blesses you, right? Let's pray.